backtracking to number 20 is um, as I was preparing these sermons, I had three sermons um, that I've been preparing, and uh, I wanted to look at instances where we see Christ in some way, whether it be a a picture of Christ or it be a a type of Christ um, shown in the Old Testament. Um, And as you know, all throughout the Old Testament, we see Christ manifested in different ways, and um, all of the Bible really speaks to Christ, whether it is, uh, as um, Truman was speaking in Ruth um, a few weeks ago, actually a few months ago now, um, and the uh, parallel of Christ as our kinsman redeemer, um, but also we see uh, Christ in Numbers, and uh, we're actually going to be in chapter 20, starting in verse 1, we're going to read all the way to verse 12, but let's read it together. And it says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, unto the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why had ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And therefore have ye made us to come out of Egypt and bring us into this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, and thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from, from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto him, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land that I have given them. So in this passage of scripture, we see that um, actually the message that I preached on in Numbers 21 was part of their last year in the wilderness. Israel is entering into their 40th year, their final year in the wilderness. And we see right at the beginning of the year, we get a very clear explanation as to where in the year we are we're in the first month in chapter 20 as we read in the um, in the beginning it says then came the children of Israel even the whole congregation under the desert of Zin in the first month so they are now at the end of their wilderness wandering even the the, um, passage that we read a few Sundays ago in chapter 21 they were still in that last year so they have for 39 years, been in the wilderness, for 39 years, they have seen the goodness of God in maintaining them and taking care of them. And as we saw about uh, two Sundays ago, as we looked in chapter 21, 
we see that in spite of all of the goodness of God, in spite of all of the blessings of God, in spite of all of the provisions that God had given to them, we see that, unfortunately, we get another instance of complaining. But before we get into that, I wanted to go into detail the first portion of Scripture because there's something very interesting that happens there in that first verse in chapter 20. And it says at the end of verse 1, And the people abode in Kadesh, and, Mary, and Miriam died there, and was buried there. The passage begins with the final year of, of, of Israel's wilderness wandering, and it begins with the passing of Miriam. Now we know in the wilderness wandering, the whole purpose of the wilderness wandering, and we're going to look at that a little bit later as well, was so that this so-called faithless generation that did not want to go into the promised land when they initially got to the edge of the promised land, they were going to be moved out and a new generation would come in, led by Joshua and by Caleb, who would take them into the promised land. So we see that no one is exempt from this. All of the old generation, except for Caleb and Joshua, were not going into the promised land. So Miriam is one of those that passes away here. And there is actually an instance where we see a little bit of contention between Miriam and the leadership that God has placed over Israel. And I want to turn your attention to Numbers chapter 12. It should be up on the screens. And I want to read the first three verses of, of Numbers chapter 12. It says this, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. You know, uh, he, Moses married um, a lady by the name of Zipporah. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So she was an Ethiopian woman, not a Hebrew, but outside of the nation of Israel. And he married uh, this woman. And verse 2, and they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses, and I want you to focus on this last verse in particular, given what we just read in Numbers chapter 20. Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. So two things I want us to notice in this passage. Number one, we see that Miriam, just like every other person, was imperfect. And unfortunately, we see an instance where because of who Moses married, sees this as a point of contention between her and the person that God chose to lead the people of Israel and complains about the choice, saying, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Almost as if to say, God has also worked through us. Why, why is Moses special? Or what makes Moses special? And indeed, nothing makes Moses special. Mo Moses was, the only reason why Moses was chosen is because he, he was at the appointed time and God chose him because he was the man that God had for the, for the particular job of going up against Pharaoh and leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. But two things about this passage that we see. Number one, in verse two it says, or actually in verse three, the Lord heard it. The Lord remembered the words that Miriam spoke against Moses. And really, in speaking against Moses, what Miriam was saying was, I don't agree with God's choice over the leadership structure of Israel. Miriam found herself in contention with Moses for no other reason than he married someone that 
wasn't in the nation of Israel, but we never see that this was in any way outside of God's will. So Miriam had no position to go against Moses in any way, and yet we see that she still does. But we see also in this passage, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Now, given what we know about the children of Israel, especially as they wandered the wilderness, it probably took a lot of humility to deal with the people of Israel and all that, as we saw a couple Sundays ago, all of the complaining that they must have done, and we know that they did historically throughout their wilderness wandering. It must have taken a man that was very humble. It must have taken a man that was um, not a hothead by any means. And we see that, that God even records here of Moses that he was a meek man. He even says, above all men which were upon the face of the earth, Moses' meekness was so. And yet, we see another instance where the people of Israel, actually, I love the word that is used there, the people chode with Moses. The people grumbled, griped, complained with Moses and spake, saying, here's the interesting part of what they said in verse, four, in verse 3 of chapter 20. Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? It's interesting how those of the old generation, instead of, again, as we saw a couple Sundays ago, going to God to provide for them as they have already seen such a glorious banquet of provision from God and, and going back to Egypt and the, and the plagues that God miraculously provided so that they would be released from Egypt. Not only that, but as they went to the Red Sea, we know that God did another miracle, which was to part the Red Sea so that they could walk on through it in spite of all of the things that they had witnessed, that they knew. And not only that, but God through the wilderness wandering, because they're now at the end of it, we saw that God moved in front of them both as a pillar of cloud and as a pillar of fire. They have seen God in, in a form, you know, that they could see him. And in spite of all of these things, the littlest problem caused the biggest uproars. A couple Sundays ago, we saw that the issue was Moses, we have no food. Or no, it wasn't even Moses, we have no food. It was Moses, we don't like this food that God has provided for us, so we're going to complain. And God miraculously brought them back to repentance, as he always does. And we see here another instance where they're complaining about something so simple, water. And they're complaining to the point where Moses sees them say, oh, we'd rather just die with all the ones that we've already seen pass away in the wilderness. Because now we see that a new generation is coming in, right? They're going into the last year of their wilderness wandering. A new generation is coming up. And even this new generation from this passage we're seeing here is telling Moses, just as the old generation told Moses, we don't like this situation, and we'd rather just die in the wilderness. As I was reading through this passage, I couldn't help but come across James chapter 4, and it'll be up on the screens, uh, verses 1 through 3. 
It says this, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, ye have not because ye ask not. Isn't that true of them at this point in time? Instead of asking, they chose to grumble and complain instead of going to God and seeking out the person, the only one that could provide for them. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. It's interesting, like I said, that those remaining from the old generation were desirous to die in spite of the goodness of God they had witnessed. So they had risen up against Moses and against Aaron. And their question was, and why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? Now, I did not preach on this first because I wanted to touch on this specific point in the whole reason why they were in the wilderness wandering and the whole reason why they were wandering the wilderness for 40 years was because of their unbelief. The only reason why Israel was in the wilderness to begin with was because they did not believe in the word of God. We all know the story in Numbers chapter 13 where they send in that the 12 spies, as I mentioned, Caleb and Joshua, then 10 others go into the land. Moses sends them to spy out the land. And in the spying out of the land, 10 of them come back and say, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 31, we are not able in the land, we, are, we be not able, um, those in the land are stronger than we. Actually, I'll read it from the screen. It says, but the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Notice the pattern. The reason why they were in the wilderness to begin with was because of their own unbelief in God and what God had already done for them and getting them out of Egypt. And instead of turning to God and saying, you know, yes, of course, we cannot do this. Israel could not have overcome those odds by themselves. But with God... They absolutely could have. But instead of leaning on the Lord, they said, no, the people are stronger than we. And because of this unbelief, we see the people are in the wilderness in a position that God had put them in so that they would be fully reliant on him for every single need. They needed water. Who did they have to go to? To God. They needed food. Who would have to provide for them? God. Because they were in a place they could not grow their own food. They could not do anything other than be wanderers, be nomadic, um, as we see them throughout this 40-year time, time span in their history. God did not want them complacent during this time. Therefore, as we see them complain, they were brought to a specific place that God, God knew exactly where they were. And God had brought them to the place where they were and was going to lead them through this, this specific time that they were in. But the way they responded to where God had brought them was not to trust in him, but to grumble against God. The whole reason why they were in this position in the first place is because the Lord heard their cries in the wilderness. But listen to how much their tune has changed in verse 5. It says in verse 5 in chapter 20, And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt 
to bring us into this evil place. For it is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. Where before, remember they had always, all throughout the wilderness wandering, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They're like, look, this is desert, this is arid, this is, this is terrible. We have no food here, we have no water here. It's better that we go back to Egypt. That was their constant gripe. As Moses, you should have just left us in Egypt. Although they had forgotten how very clearly they were the ones that cried out to God to send a deliverer to get them out. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 tells us, and the Lord said, this is talking, this is uh, the Lord speaking to Moses at the burning bush. It says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. It wasn't Moses' idea to go to Egypt and do all that he did. It was because God in his goodness heard his people crying out in bondage in Egypt. And Moses was the chosen man that he put to go to Egypt. And Moses, remember, he did not even want to go. He kept on putting excuse after excuse. I can't speak well. I'm not the man for the job. But God said, no, 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 Moses, it's not by your power that you're going to do this. You're going to do this with me going with you. I will tell you what to say. You're going to do wonders because I have a plan. And we see that Moses is now outside of Egypt. He has delivered the people of Israel. And yet now, because of their unbelief, as as it was in Egypt, they are now wandering the wilderness for the 40th year. And they're complaining about something so simple as water. Now, in Exodus 17, and this is where I want to draw a parallel to where we are today, in Exodus 17, we see a similar story. I want to read it because it provides some context as to where we are now in Exodus 20. It says, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thy hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Moses' leadership demonstrates a proper attitude towards God. In that moment and also in Numbers chapter 20 where we are today. Because what is his response to the people complaining? Look with me in verse 6. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now listen to the difference in commands from Exodus 17 to Exodus 20. Verse 8. Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. 
Moses knew that the problem that they were experiencing was nothing but God, for God, but they must come to him in a proper attitude. And I'm going to go back to why the two passages in particular are important in just a minute. But God appears to Moses and Aaron not because of any other reason than they responded in a right attitude. Instead of doing as their brethren, the Israelites, were doing and grumbling and complaining, Moses and Aaron together, they gathered themselves and they went and they threw themselves before God on their faces before the Lord and cried for mercy for the sake of themselves and for the sake of the people that had been complaining in spite of all of the goodness that they had received. They were still complaining to God for something as trivial as water. So God instructs Moses to speak to the rock while holding his rod. But Moses does not do what God asks him to do. Here's where Moses lacks. Remember we read a passage of scripture where we saw that Moses was the meekest and one of the most humble people, the Bible says, upon the face of the earth. Moses is going to do something wrong. And it's, it's a refreshing thing how you know, the Bible shows us examples upon examples upon examples of how God chose people not because they were good, because there is none good but God, not because they were perfect, but because they were faithful to him and they all made mistakes. And Moses here commits a grave mistake, and we're going to see why in just a minute. But the passage tells us this in verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smoked the rod twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Did Moses, or was Moses told by God to say all that? <laughs> no. Was Moses told by God to smite the rock? No. But he did so anyway. And in spite of Moses not doing what God had told him to do, what do we see that God does anyway? He provided for his people. In spite of Moses not getting the instructions correctly, and we're going to see why that is such an important thing here in a minute. God was not providing for Moses' sake. God was providing because God is faithful. And Moses, and I, I kind of don't blame him in a way, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and complaint after complaint after complaint, I'm pretty sure his ears were bright red um, from all the complaints, but Moses, instead of doing what God had asked him to do, went outside of what God had asked him to do, but we see in spite of that that God was still faithful to his people and providing them water. God's faithfulness is still demonstrated to his people, but only because of one reason. And I want us to turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, and it'll be up on the screens, Moreover, brethren, I would not, ha I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. 
But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the extent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. The great thing about the story, as it was with the story that we looked at in Numbers 21, is that we see that Christ was with the people of Israel in this particular moment. And God was providing for them. The reason why I went back to another portion of Scripture in Numbers is because they have already been at this place before where God told Moses, very particularly, very specifically, okay, Moses, I want you to smite the rock once. But the second time, I don't want you to smite the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And there is a beautiful picture there as to the gospel because we know later on, years down the road, we see that Christ came and only one time does he have to go to the cross and die for a provision for mankind. After that one time, God doesn't have to go back on a cross and die over and over again for every new sinner that repents because his sacrifice is good, more than good enough. Just the one time that it happened. And here we see a wonderful picture of that, how God had already provided them a source of water in the rock that followed them. They had the rock that had followed them all throughout. And all the people of Israel had to do was remember that God was with them, remember that God had already provided for them in more times and more ways than they had cared to, to count. But instead, what they choose to do is they chose to go on the side of sin and say, no, we're going to complain. We're going to go up against Moses, God's chosen man to lead, and not trust in the provision of God. And Moses was so angry that it led him to disobedience, smiting the rock a second time when it was not needed. Let's close with verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, wherefore, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I had given them. There's a great consequence to Moses' actions. Because this beautiful picture of the provision that they had been given by God and the future provision that we will be given in Christ by giving them the rock that followed them in the wilderness to provide for them the water that they so desperately needed. Moses, in his disobedience and just completely not getting the picture, as, as we see oftentimes in the Old Testament, that we see these beautiful pictures of what is to come in the gospel. And in doing so, Moses' disobedience eliminates a beautiful blessing for Moses. We know that none of the generation that left Egypt, except for two, Joshua and Caleb, would enter into the promised land. And here we see why Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land. Because instead of following what God had asked him to do, instead of obediently going to God and doing exactly as God told him to do, Moses decided, I'm angry. I'm going to take out my anger on this rock. Not knowing that this was the provision of Christ. This was the provision that God had given to them in the wilderness. And 
Moses took his anger, for all intents and purposes, out on this provision of God. God allows Moses, as we know, and later on in uh, Deuteronomy, that Moses would see the promised land from afar off, but would never get to go into it. What a sad testimony. And yet, he had every opportunity. He knew, he had seen firsthand, he had spoken to God at the burning bush. He had seen at this point in time how God created the Ten Commandments and, and had been up in the mountain with God for 40 days. And yet, in spite of all of these things, Moses, instead of resting on the Lord, trusting in what he had said, decided, nope, I'm angry. And I'm not going to follow what God said because I'm angry. We see him talking to the people and saying, why, how must we fetch water out of this rock for you? And we see him smite the rock. You know, humanity makes complicated what God has simplified oftentimes. And, and sometimes what God asks us to do is exactly what he had asked of the people of Israel and exactly what he asked of us to be still and to know that he is God. Psalms 46.10 tells us this. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And all that it takes sometimes for us to see the Lord working is to stop and rest on him. To do exactly what he has asked us to do. You know, when God gives us instructions, gives us, you know, this is the way we're supposed to do something, and we go off on our own way, there are consequences. And when I would preach to teenagers, I would tell them, look, there's good consequences and there's bad consequences. You can do right and good consequences. You can, you know, do good and good will come. Not because you're good, but because you have obeyed God. Or bad consequences out of you stepping out of God's will. And God will, not because he wants to punish us, but because in the case of those that are his children, he wants to bring us back to himself. But sometimes that requires a little bit of pain, a little bit of suffering. As we saw a couple Sundays ago when he brought the fiery serpents to them. They suffered. But God still provided a way for them to be saved out of that trial, provided a way for them to get water out of a rock. If only they had stopped, been still, and listened. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've given to us. We ask, Lord, that you will 